Well, Mary, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. So this is the first time we've spoken face to face, at least virtually. Um, I've seen many of your YouTube videos, really a fan of your, uh, big fan of your music. And I just kind of wanted to get to, to know you a little bit and hear what you're all about, hear what you're about in terms of the music you're making, the videos that you're making. Um, you know, I think the first time that I really, I saw a video of yours or I heard you sing, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what song it was, but when I heard your voice, I was really taken aback because it's, it's not like, I don't know. I, I really like your voice, but it's not the typical Thank voice you. that you hear everybody trying to do these days. Cause I feel like I hear so much of the same kind of, uh, you know, wispy high pitched voice and yours is just more substantial than that. I, and I appreciate you doing your own thing. I was wondering if you could speak to that at all. If you have like a, a concept around your voice, if you've developed it to sound a certain way, I'd love to hear your, uh, your experience with that. Well, firstly, thank you. And thanks for having me on. And um, same with your videos, you know. Um, uh, in terms of my singing voice, I trained classically. So from the age of seven, maybe six, I, I had lessons. Um, and I, to be honest, when it comes to performing my own music, I've never really put that much thought into it in terms of like how I want to sound or who I want to sound like, because I'm just aware that I'll only ever be able to, um, uh, I, I only really want to sound like me. So if I start studying other specific singers, then I'll get into dangerous territory. So I just try and practice, um, all the, well, try and translate all the lessons I was taught for classical and jazz singing, um, into more, the more rocky side. Um, and just try and keep support and make sure I don't do any damage to it. Because I think that's one thing that pe people just don't think about when they don't have training in terms of singing. Um, you can end up singing too much in your throat and then you get nodules, just like so many famous singers have suffered from. Um, have you ever and I'm, like that, like any kind of vocal damage or? I've never experienced any vocal damage whatsoever. And I, you know, maybe I don't sing, um, I, I don't sing for long periods of time anymore. Like I had to at, in school. Um, but even then never really suffered from anything. Uh, so either really fortunate or maybe all the training that's sort of gone in place has helped with that. So, um, you know, and I also haven't done anything unbelievably taxing, like doing a, a, a huge show every night for multiple years. So, you know, there are, there are other ways around it, but, um, yeah, I, I, I love singing. I don't talk about it enough and I'm actually, I'm working on some, some silly and then some educational videos right now that I think will sort of move more into that sphere and, you know, get people, you know, if they don't, if they can't afford a guitar right now, um, they can afford their voice because they've already got it. So like how to, um, make the most of maybe people being sat at home right now and just wanting to maybe sing a bit. Sounds great. Are you, so you're trained with your voice. Did you take the same kind of training for guitar? No, <laughs> uh, no, I'm self-taught on guitar. Um, because I was learning too many other instruments, my parents, and I wasn't practicing 
my viola or piano um they were like well you're not going to practice guitar if we give you lessons and that even though I was like adamant I wanted to play guitar so I had to had to teach myself but luckily I was surrounded by other people that were playing and then you know just picked things up along the way and now I study myself so yeah it's one of those instruments I feel like I don't know why I mean it's such a difficult instrument as you know but it's it's at the same time you can kind of figure out some of the stuff on your own, at least in those beginning stages. But um, like viola, for instance, I don't play viola, but you know the learning curve is much steeper there. You know, you can't just pick up a viola and watch a couple of YouTube videos. I mean, maybe you can, but there's there's a little bit more finesse there, perhaps at least in the beginning. What do you is that uh, your experience? Is that something you'd agree with? I I wonder about that because yeah, I've never. I've never heard of anyone teaching themselves a string instrument, whether it's violin, viola, cello. I've never, I've never heard of anyone self, you know, being self-taught that way, um, especially in the classical realm. Like anyone that I went to school with, you know, they, they'd been having lessons since a very, very young age. So um, I think maybe it's the element of popular music too. Like it's way more popular, way more people are, are picking it up and, um, there is that sort of element that you can learn four chords and then you can write a song, you know? So I don't know, but it's, I think it's, it's my favorite instrument, obviously. And the, the attraction I had to it when I was younger was because of songwriting and how people were uh, performing and singing alongside it. Like you don't really see people singing and playing viola at the same time. Um, That might be cool. Do you still play at all? Do you still play viola? No, not really. No. I, I try to every so often and then I remember how tough it was and also how much I suffered in terms of like backache and stuff and having to do Alexander technique all the time um, to uh, uh, sort of help realign everything because it's obviously the heaviest instrument that you really carry on your shoulder. And so for long periods of practice, it just just absolutely destroyed my back. And that was when I was young. So now it's just like... <laughs> guitar is a lot easier to handle mm-hmm. so you you were playing viola up until like through high school that kind of a thing is that uh, i actually studied it l- later um on up until the end of university oh, okay so, so my, uh, sorry go ahead uh just in terms of like i was 22 when i decided to just you know purely focus on the guitar i see do you think playing viola has influenced the way you play guitar or the music that you write in any way I think studying classical music has definitely influenced my songwriting. Um, and then in terms of viola, I think maybe my vibrato is definitely not normal guitar. Oh, I see. Um, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not a, a classic rock guitar player doing all the things that so many people are doing on YouTube. Like I do have a, a, a slightly different technique. Um, and I, d- I was talking with a friend about this who I, uh, he's an incredible producer and he, he was just sort of saying, he was like, there are certain things you do that aren't completely guitar orientated. They're not wrong, but they're just sort of maybe from viola playing rather than, um, you know, just guitar. So, so maybe I need yep. to look into it more. <laughs> yeah, I got to pay special attention to your vibrato now and see, uh, see what's going on there. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You were saying that class, studying classical music has affected the way you write music. Can you speak more to that? I think there are just certain bad habits that you can fall into um, until you know that it's wrong. 
Um, you know, so I, I know that sounds stupid, but like, it's really easy to write a melody line alongside the chords that you're playing on guitar, but just sort of remembering sort of contrary motion and just sort of little things where you're like, okay, if, if the chord sequence is going down, why doesn't the melody go up or vice versa? And, um, and then in terms of orchestration, uh, instrumentation and arrange, arranging, um, you know, all that sort of stuff that I don't necessarily just sit and follow classical music principles. Um, but I like to think that it's, I'm hoping those hours of education have helped influence it some way. Yeah. Well, I, you know, when I was listening to some of your music recently, um, I was thinking to myself that there's, there's some elevated quality to it in terms of the harmony and like the chord progressions. It's like not your basic four chord chord progression songs all the time, which is nice, but it also at the same time doesn't sound like really heavy in terms like a theory, I guess, like you're, you're thinking about contrary motion all the time and you're trying to do this like retro mm -hmm. something or other. It's, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, I appreciate that you're using your experience with classical music and more advanced harmony, but you're, you're, you're using that knowledge in a way that doesn't feel like you're trying to, or that it, it just, it sounds natural, like the way that you're using it, like some of the, especially some of the chord progressions that I've, that I've heard from, from your music. So. Thank you. Well, I think there's a, there's an art to, I guess it's the same sort of thing for teaching. It's like, if you can't explain something to a child, then you don't understand it. So mm. when it comes to writing popular music, you can be as fancy and as clever as you like, but really you still have to make a great pop song. So you can throw in Rachmaninoff and be like Muse or whatever and, and go, you know, one way, or you can just think, right, how, how can you make these four chords or how can you make something, uh, even if it's slightly more complicated than it maybe needs to be, still make it accessible to the listener because, you know, you, you can just get too complicated and then you might end up alienating people when really you just want to, you know, make people enjoy, enjoy themselves for a brief moment. For sure. Are you thinking about chord theory when you're writing your music or are you just using your ear and, and finding different shapes on the guitar that you might not have played before? What's that process look like? Um, it's definitely ear. Yeah. I've been, I've been writing something recently that I, I, that I know the certain, um, sort of routine progressions that I sometimes use and just trying to make sure that I just don't <laughs> fall into that for every single song, because otherwise, you know, all your music does end up sounding the same. Um, obviously you want it to, you, you want to have a sound, but you don't want to sound the same. Um, yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard. And it's also one of those things where it's people want you in a box they don't want to admit it, but they do kind of want to be able to pigeonhole you a little bit. So if you're, if you're too across the board, then they'll be like, I don't know. I don't know what you are, who you are. Like, what are you trying to communicate here? You know, and this is, this is probably, um, more like, sorry. Are you speaking from experience here? I think, um, just when I was younger, like every song did sound different, like it was a different genre. So I'd write a country song and then I'd write a rock song and then I'd try and do heavy metal and then I'd try and do this and it would all be under the same umbrella of my name. Um, but it was just not all right for me. None, none of it was really right for me. Um, 
and I sort of thought that I had to pigeonhole myself to be able to uh, help other people, you know, locate my music, whether it was online or, or come to shows or whatever. Um, but yeah, now it's, now it's more like, I do feel a bit freer in terms of not having to pigeonhole myself because I know what I want to deliver. And I, I luckily have a platform now that, you know, if I put something out and it is a bit different, like it's a, it's me trying to do electronic music, I can make a video around it and explain the process behind why I tried to do something. So you can kind of like narrate your thoughts around it rather than um, just putting it out there and seeing what sticks. So experimentation is obviously still important, but um, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to fall into the pitfalls that you always fall into. Have you found that as you post new videos and, and promote your music on YouTube, you know, you're kind of opening yourself up to the, uh, the, the peanut gallery per se, you know, there's so many comments out there, of course. Do you feel like that affects how you make your next song or how you make your next video? Do you let any of that influence your, uh, your creative approach? I think I'd be lying if I said I didn't necessarily, if I, have I been affected by it recently? Um, it could be negatively or positively too. It doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be like a negative impact. Well, I, I feel quite fortunate in terms of, I feel like the music is safe. Like I feel, um, I, I, I always try and have the sort of more immediate pieces of content like the videos so I can think up an idea and deliver it within a few days every week, just keep pumping out videos. So that's kind of the more possibly likely to be affected stuff. Whereas with the music, I can be um, sort of hidden away and working on things for uh, a, a much longer period of time and then just come out with something and people don't really have an opportunity to make changes. They might hear a song before it's, you know, fully studio recorded um, by me just putting it on YouTube and they might be like, oh, I like this one or I preferred the other one, whatever. But it doesn't really affect me knowing exactly how I want to deliver the original stuff to all the other different platforms. Um, I think in terms of videos, I'm probably more likely to be affected because I'm just churning out so many more and I, I want to make sure I stay relevant and, and don't alienate my audience or do anything. But there's, there's certain, you know, criticisms about whether it's about editing or um, sort of storyline that I, you can't please everybody. So um, I really just try and avoid those. But when it comes to like, different ideas or different approaches or more of something that's sort of easier to, um, to follow and, and give, give my subscribers what they actually want. So I've been trying a few things recently that I'm like, okay, I can see how I could do that again with a different song or, um, can you give me an example? I, I just uploaded this weekend. I sort of started, so I'm working on a, on a bigger video that means I'm getting up quite early at the moment, despite obviously the world, you know, not needing to essentially. Um, and by me getting up early, I just sort of had this thought, I was like, right, I'm going to start a video on Saturday morning. And by Sunday lunchtime, it's going to be uploaded. I, I didn't have an idea for that video until like I literally started thinking about it on Saturday morning. And it was me doing, um, three different, three levels of fingerstyle guitar and 
I just felt like that video could be a series because the first video um, revolved around Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers uh, because obviously he'd, he'd passed away recently and then I love that song and I've definitely gone on a journey with it from learning it as a beginner to now having my own little style around it. Um, and I just thought of like all the other songs that I have sort of stored away that I could show that. So I could show the beginner friendly version to the sort of more advanced finger style. You know, I'm not super virtuosic, but I'm definitely not a beginner when it comes to playing guitar. So it's just nice to sort of see the stages and, and then try and do it in, in within 10 minutes and then uh, without stopping playing the song. So talking and playing at the same time and demonstrating um, exactly what I'm doing. So that's the new challenge of just like continuing to create that sort of style of tutorial. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, that's the new series that I really, really want to work on. That sounds great. I'm sure that's great for, uh, you have a guitar course out right now too, right? So I do. I do, but it's very beginner orientated. So, um, I'm working on the, uh, again, my approach to fingerstyle guitar course, but it's a, it's a little bit longer in the making. Who's influenced your, your style? Um, I, I was really into uh, acoustic guitar players like Andy McKee. Did you ever see his videos? They went super, super viral. I never mastered what he was doing, um, but it sort of introduced me to playing without a plectrum. Uh, and then luckily sort of other people who have done similar things to him, like Mike Dawes, who is actually now... Uh, we're now in the sort of same circle of friends. Um, but then, you know, John Mayer is like the one that I did credit the most. Joni Mitchell's style of playing. And then Mark Knopfler. Like, for me, uh, the way he played the electric guitar is just, yeah, it's just something else. So those are, those are the main influences. Rather than the traditional guitar heroes that are out there, those are, those are the ones for me. Sure. You spend time like transcribing these, you know, these, the, uh, the people that you like to listen to, or do you prefer to look at sheet music or tablature? Um, yeah, trying to learn their songs, um, via tab and sometimes sheet music, um, and trying to transcribe. I've definitely tried to transcribe certain things. Uh, but really I just think their feel is something that you just can't really get on paper. Um, and I think that just comes from performing like the way all of them have ever, I, you know, I've seen Andy McKee live. I've seen John Mayer live. Um, I haven't seen Mark Knopfler live and actually I had the opportunity and I, I missed out recently. Um, so yeah, just something about their live albums. It's usually the live albums that I listen to the most, but yeah, especially with John Mayer. Yeah, I I love listening, especially with all these. Um, I was gonna say I love listening to live concerts, and especially these. Um, you know, everybody's doing these Instagram live concerts recently. Yeah, and it's so. I mean, it really separate. I, I haven't heard anybody sound bad, but you can really tell the people who are just unstoppable with their music when you hear them play. You know, to their iPhone or whatever when it's on like the piano or in front of them on a music stand or just leaning up against whatever, like a can of beans. And then they sound amazing. And it's just, it's so great to hear these amazing musicians without 
you know, without sort of the glitz of a, that the studio can provide, um, which has its place. I mean, I like a great studio record too, but I've been really enjoying hearing artists play to their phones and just hearing that it all stripped down. Have you come across any great shows on uh, Instagram or YouTube recently during the, the pandemic? Um, I haven't really been on social media all that much, but I do have my, uh, I, I do follow certain people who've done sort of quarantine, uh, quarantine sessions. Um, like I was watching a James Bay tutorial and then, um, Tom Mish. And then I, I kind of just follow some of my friends who are incredible musicians, like Angela Petrilli still, you know, she uploads so frequently, like new, just guitar. I don't know, she's just plays guitar beautifully and um and then Laura Marling I saw recently was doing uh uh proper tutorials guitar tutorials of her songs which I just think is so cool because I think people are really cottoning on to you know there are no secrets here like you can either show people what you did and just be humble and go through you know just share the thought process um or you can sort of become obsolete in the social media world, you know? So I think that's really, really exciting when you see these artists that kind of have a facade of, you know, whether it's protection from their record label or whatever, then they're just there completely raw um, doing live Instagram stuff and, you know, YouTube streaming. Um, I've watched a few of uh, a friend of mine called Raina Del Cid, uh, her live streams, you know, it just, it just, it sort of filters out people as well. Um, although saying that I haven't done all that many live streams. I tried one recently using a new laptop that I thought would be good enough. And all the audio was really, really janky. So, um, I've been trying to figure out exactly the best way. And the weirdest thing is my phone is better than my computer or any of the other sophisticated stuff that I thought I had. Um, so I'm going to be trying and doing I'm, I'm going to be trying, I don't know whether people are just going to find this really, really boring, but um, try and do sort of live streams of practice sessions or like rehearsals of songs, kind of to take the pressure away from me doing a, a performance. And so I can make it more regular and show people exactly how I, you know, go from sort of writing a song to getting it down so that I can then record a video of it or perform it live. Um, but obviously live shows are, are not looking likely this year for me, but um but yeah. Anyone. <laughs> I know. I know. Have you been practicing more because of uh, COVID-19? I've been, well, not really, because it hasn't really affected me in terms of my day-to-day -day other than keeping me a bit grounded. Um, so, I, you know, I'm usually in the studio making videos or working and, you know, practicing guitar, writing songs anyway, but I have actually gone through a period of, of absolutely definitely not feeling creative to now sort of coming out of that and giving myself a bit more structure in my day to really just sit down and just, you know, not think about the world's problems and just try and focus on the next hour and see whether or not I can see whether or not I can write something. Um, for me at the moment, I think I go through phases where I want to practice the guitar and then there are phases where I just want to sit down and just just play to be able to write from that yeah so you said you're coming out of sort of a, a creative dry spell is that right yeah how did you get out of it 
uh, I spoke to a few people, spoke to a few friends who are also YouTube creators. And I think we all realized we kind of have option paralysis at the moment because everyone's jumping on the social media train. But we've been doing this for, I've almost been doing it regularly for four years. And I can't believe that time has flown by. I feel like I've only, I'm new to YouTube, but um, you know, I've been making videos every week for almost four years. So it's okay to not feel all that great when you're worrying about the health of family and friends as well. Um, because over here, the, the situation has been pretty tough and um, it's hit pretty close to home. So um, just kind of trying to forgive myself that it's okay to not feel <laughs> supremely creative in those moments. And luckily I do fall back on um, certain things like, you know, doing podcasts for my channel or uh, doing, you know, live performances or pulling some footage. Like today I released a video from, from tour back in November. So I can sort of fall back on those things when I need a, a bit more time to get something finished. But, um, but yeah, just trying to forgive myself that it's okay to not feel great about making new stuff when, you know, the news is just unbelievably terrible at the moment. So yeah. yeah. Forgiveness, I guess that's how I get over it. <laughs> that's, I think that's wise. Yeah. It's, it's can be really easy to, especially it's not just in music. I imagine it's in, it's in a lot of creative fields, but to beat yourself up, you know, when you're not writing the kind of music that you want to be writing or sounding the way that you want to sound. Um, have you ever had to deal with any, I mean, I guess we've, we've all had to deal with self-criticism to a certain extent, but have you had any of those sort of lulls or slumps in, in your playing or singing or writing? Um, yeah, like I, uh, luckily I think having all the different realms of creativity that I now find myself, you know, whether it's, I'm probably a bit of jack of all trades sometimes because I can make the videos or I can write an original song or I can uh, create a podcast or, you know, do other little bits and bobs for social media channels in some way. So when I'm feeling a lull in one, I'll make sure to do something in another, you know, whether it's, I don't know, just even <laughs> making bite-sized videos out of a bigger piece of content. Yeah. It's still creative work. It's just a bit more um, admin related, but it's, it's still, you're still making something and then it's still being viewed by people. So I, I just try and compartmentalize it. But in terms of songwriting, like I, I release songs, um, when they're very, very new to Patreon and I, I just do a really informal video, just sat at my desk and say, look, I've just written this song. This is how it is right now. It will evolve. It will change. But then I show them and, you know, like 16, 17 people get to see it before it might become something or it might not. It might just, you know, fall into the catalogue. But um, I realised last summer was really, really prolific for me. I was writing a song and then finishing it, uploading it. And then I was like on to the next one. And I think I wrote, I, I wrote a record, which I then luckily came out with in, by November. Um, and then I just went through a completely dry spell from maybe September time to around now, like the last maybe month or so. So that's a really long amount of time, but then I've been creative in other ways because I've been uploading videos every week. Then I've gone on tour and then I've been traveling and 
um, I've written for other projects. And so it's just kind of like, I don't have my eggs all in one basket. I have loads of different things. And I think that kind of is good in one way because it means I'm never not creative, but then it does mean that time can pass quite quickly on one certain thing. And I kind of have to snap back into that realm and, and, and try and work on that. How about you? With, uh, getting through slumps and lulls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm somewhat diversified as well. Um, lately I've had my, you know, family as quite a distraction from, from music because, you know, my kids don't have, uh, aren't able to go outside and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I'm very occupied with that, uh, at least mentally. Um, but you know, when I when I think about those kind of lulls, I think about them in terms of practicing uh, saxophone, actually, because that's probably the instrument that I practice the most. And thinking about getting through the points where you don't feel like you're getting any better, mm-hmm. it's not even like writing a new piece of music or or coming up with some new idea. It's just like literally, you feel like you're putting all your time into something and then not seeing any improvement um, over you know maybe the course of more than a month. I mean, I think that's something that I definitely have experienced multiple times and it's a slump. And, you know, I think having the experience of going, going through that multiple times and knowing that there's, you know, there's something on the other side of that plateau and just kind of trusting in the process, that's what's helped me. But I remember when I was in school and I was first experiencing those types of plateaus, even while working super, super hard, I was like, this is, this is it. I've reached like my max. I can't go any further. And then, you know, a little bit of time goes by and you start to kind of get going again and and seeing some of that improvement. But Mm -hmm. that's, um, yeah, that's something I always have to think back to and just remind myself that even in those types of slumps, whether it's with, with practicing, practicing saxophone or writing music, there's always some sort of light at the end of the tunnel that's going to, um, get me to wherever I need to go. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, Mary, because I know you said you, you didn't have too much today. So I don't want to hold you, you. Too much longer. But do you have a couple of minutes just to talk about your lyric writing process? Because we've talked about your voice. We've talked about your guitar playing. If you could just shed a little bit of light on how you go about writing the lyrics to your songs, we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, um, of course. Um, lyrics are probably my weakest point in terms of I'm, I'm not a poet and, um, you know, I, I, I have to just draw from my own experiences and sort of autobiographical things. And sometimes I'll try and pick up a storyline and, and roll with it and sort of try and put myself in that new world, um, which I've tried to do more recently, um, just to mix it up a bit, but yeah, like it's some, some of the songs are extremely literal, like they've, they've happened or it's just a a conversation to someone who can't talk back or, you know, it's, um, it's all quite literal stuff. So for me, it's, it's not all that clever. Um, and I, I've gone through different phases where it's been, you know, I've tried to be all elusive and, and tried to, um, cover up exactly how I'm feeling with a metaphor or, or something. And really it just, I, I feel like now the, the songs that really speak to people are the ones that are just brutally honest. <laughs> um, so, 
you know, that isn't to everyone's taste. Um, but the, the people who do like my music seem to like that honesty. So uh, I won't ever stop being brutally honest about certain things or certain people. That takes courage too, to, to write like that. Is it courage or just arrogance? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Cause it's like, sometimes I know exactly how many people might be able to hear it and, um, yeah, maybe it's a maybe it's a bit too cutting sometimes, especially like my most recent record that I'm wearing the T-shirt from, Lone Wolf. That one was like particularly, it was just a bad situation. And then I just turned it into a record. And um, yeah, I don't know whether it's just a bit mean sometimes <laughs> to go that route, but you know, a song is a song. A song is a song. Mm. I want to thank you for making the time to share your experiences and your knowledge and and uh, everything that you do with uh, with us for you know the forty five minutes that we had, and I just uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks and give you a, a chance to promote anything you want to promote. I know we talked about the course, you mentioned Patreon, but feel free to lay it all out there. Um, ultimately, just you know the the YouTube videos, like I just love people um, consuming those. So my channel is just Mary Spender, and. Yeah, I do have a beginner guitar course out and there'll be more courses to come. And then all my music, again, is under Mary Spender on Spotify and Apple Music and all the streaming platforms. So, Great. All right. Well, thanks again, Mary. Thanks for having me. uh, Talk to you again soon.